I'm joined by a veteran, a goat possibly, of the podcast industry. It's Todd Cochran. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Sam, for having me. Now, Todd, uh, I read in Pod News Daily that you've been doing podcasting for 19 years. Well, that's a hell of a time to be doing podcasting. It's been a fun ride. October 9th, 2004, I... Uh pulled up a chair to a little desk in a hotel room in Waco, Texas, and with a 1495 microphone from uh, the Walmart across the street, I recorded the first episode, and I introduced it with ACDC Back in Black, which you can't do that. So episode one and two actually went beyond the nether somewhere because I took them down. I was afraid I was going to get hit with a copyright <laughs> violation later on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, was, that was the thing, you know. It was... Well, caught the fever early on. What a great track to start with. Those about the podcast, we salute you. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Looking back over the 19 years, I mean, I know you said it's a 1499 mic and it's a, you know, it's a laptop and the internet, yep. but fundamentally, has anything really changed or is it just the same? Uh, yeah, fundamentally, it's changed a lot, you know, because you really had to be a geek <laughs> in those early days. And I was running on a content management system called Movable Type at the Remember time. Remember it well? Didn't switch to, yeah, didn't switch to WordPress until later. But we, we really were trying to figure it all out. The biggest challenge really in those early days was hosting because we all had to do our own thing. And by the time or before the first hosting platform came on the market, uh, which was Libsyn, the first one, I was shuffling between like nine or 10 shared hosting accounts. I would move the show like every three days because I'd run out of 500 gigs of bandwidth, run out of 500 gigs of bandwidth, run out. But what, you know, if you think about it, those file sizes at the time were small because we were only encoding maybe 32K at the tops in those early days. But, you know, things changed pretty rapidly, uh, you know, 2005, Apple introduced podcast to iTunes, and then we we're off to the races, really. So from that perspective, no, things haven't changed that much. But, you know, definitely being early was a, it helped, you know, for, from a sense. But also, I did a tech show as my Genesis show, and I still do. Um, there was a lot of tech shows. So it wasn't like, you know, there was, you know, the, the genre of shows was narrow, tech, comedy, and a few others, but so there was a plethora of tech shows at the in those early start days. What was your expectation of doing it? I mean, what, what did you think you were going to get from it? Hey, I've got a mic. I'm going to be the next, you know, Howard. You know, what what was it? I didn't even know who Howard Stern was then. It really started years before that. I did a dial-up bulletin board. I'd had that for many, many years. And then when the modern internet came, it ran out of it in a closet versus being dial up. And then when that kind of phase of the world changed, I had a blog and I was literally a pretty bad blogger. Uh, even to this day, I pay people to write <laughs> for my website. Versus yeah, well, now me. you can pay AI and it's much easier. So it's okay. Well, you know, that's true too, to an extent. But I think the ultimately was um, I like to talk. I like to talk about tech. So for me, it was just, and I had no idea. I mean, I thought it would be a fun thing to do. And, and you know, my first really indication that this might be reaching some people was when I woke up one morning and had an email from my hosting provider said, hey, we've shut your account down because, you know, you're, you're out of data. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, it's like, what do I do now? Well, let me go over and 
buy another GoDaddy account or let me buy another DreamHost account or whatever it was I was trying to, because I had to spread the love around, right? Then associated domains to go with it. I mean, it was crazy what we had to do in those early days. But um, so then it really, you know, there was this this idea that things could could take off. And when I went back to Hawaii and, and told uh, my wife about the show, you know, she just basically kind of looked at me and she didn't have a clue what I was doing. But <laughs> Don't say anything. He's going into the corner to talk to himself again. Leave him alone. And she said, and she said, how much money? And I kind of sheepishly <laughs> said, how much my, you know, I think we're up to six or seven, you know, shared hosting accounts by that point. And she kind of eyes got big and she, you know, pointed her finger at me. She says, you got two years to figure this out, how to right. make money. So I was forced into monetization from like episode six, <laughs> you know, and found monetization about 10 months later, but, and was lucky enough to be one of the first to find that. But, you know, just a series of things happened, the book deal with Wiley, you know, then forming a network and then GoDaddy coming to me and then GoDaddy saying, hey, and really what the genesis of Blueberry Podcasting or Raw Voice is, the parent company of Blueberry was from a gal named Chris Rudlinger. She said, Todd, do you know anyone else would like to do advertising with GoDaddy? And I was like, huh, yeah, there's a business here. So I literally on my podcast, I said, I need a lawyer. I need an MBA. I need a graphics guy. And I need a programmer because I was none of the above. And uh, we had a phone call on free conference call about 10 days later. And, and three of the original five are still with the company. I formed it over the phone. We didn't meet each other for six months. So Raw Voice was literally launched from my from my audience. Wow. And GoDaddy's still your sponsor, aren't they? Still today, yeah. Sixteen hundred and ninety-eight episodes in. And you know, there's there's we spent an hour on how that's possible by itself. But the really the simple part of it is you gotta have new butts come in the seat or no new ears coming into the show. Um in order to Take, maintain that success because I get my performance is purely based on new customers. Give everyone who doesn't know um, what are the shows that you do? So I do Geek News mm -hmm. Central. It's a tech show twice a week, week, Monday and Thursday. I record that in the evening. On Wednesdays, I do the new media show at newmediashow.com with Rob Greenley. Um, him and I have been doing that more than 10 years in itself. And then I, well, there's three of us that uh, round robin on the Podcast Insider at Blueberry. So um, usually we're on a couple episodes a month of the company podcast, but all told, I think I totaled it up here recently, so more than 2,300 episodes and plus 2,000 plus interviews, some that I have received and some that I have given, you know, so, cause well, the majority of those interviews were done at like the consumer electronic show, CES show, part of adding content to the, to the tech stack for the, for the geek show. Now you've got Blueberry and you've got multiple products, you know, got WordPress products, you've got other products we're going to talk about shortly. Is the podcast a loss leader to making people aware of Blueberry or is it fundamentally its own separate entity? Where does the podcast sit within the business? Yeah, the, the two shows that I do for Geek News Central and the new media show are not you know, really designed to drive. It's not a funnel for, for raw voice or blueberry or blueberry specifically. Um, but w why I do a podcast and I was talking in our Facebook group about it yesterday was if there's very few podcast hosting owners, founders, team members 
that actually do podcasts. So on my team, I have a lot of team members that do podcasts. Barry, my CFO and legal officer, you know, he does a travel show. Um, one of the guys that's on our board of directors does a indie music show. And so it's, it's really, my thought philosophy was and has been, if I'm going to talk about monetization, if I'm going to talk about growing a show, if I'm going to talk about consistency, if I'm going to talk about all these things that are important, podcasting, you better be doing it. Yeah, eat your own dog food, as they say. That's right. You better be doing it. And if, and if you're not and you're talking hypothetically, be quiet. Yeah. You don't know what you're yeah, talking about. I agree. Now, one of the things that you have with both Geek News Central and the New Media Show is you've now started to adopt some of these new podcast 2.0 features. And one of those is Lit, the live item tag. Yep. How have you found it? Yeah. I mean, has it been challenging? Has it been, oh, yeah, okay, now we've just got through a few of the uh, you know glitches. It's pretty smooth. Where are you with it now? You know, you know, having done live literally for more than 10 years for both Geek News Central and the new media show. And, you know, for us, it was just an extra step to click a button and say, hey, we're, we're live. And then notify the podcast 2.0 apps at, at podcastapps.com that are capable of showing live audio or video. And we're both, we're both up live on audio. We're both up on live and video with those apps. And for me, it's been, it's exciting because, you know, I've always been an individual that said, I want to control my own destiny. I want to build my own brand. I want to build my own .com. I want, I don't want to rely on YouTube or Facebook live or any of these other places to build an audience and to keep the audience, you know, basically engage. I, I'm never going to get deplatformed, but at the same time, I would much rather have the audience, if they decide they want to consume live, consume it in an app where they're having conversations, the same place they're having conversations in or podcast or, you know, regular consumption of podcasts. So I'd rather have them have it there than have it on YouTube or have it on Facebook. Now, Granted, uh, the audience is definitely split on where they largely watch now. Um, they watch in those three places. They watch on YouTube Live, they watch on Facebook Live, and they watch within the podcast apps. And, you know, pushing folks to those other apps over time, it's, it's just, you know, it's just an education thing. So I, I think it's fantastic. It's And really, it, it does give a person the ability to not be reliant on an algorithm. And that's what you are when you're chasing YouTube numbers or you're chasing Facebook. It's a, it's it's the logo that you're battling against. Why do that? Why just just continue to build your brand on your dot com, and 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 use these features to build a native audience. Um, it's all about education on the content creator standpoint too. So if you've started one place and you try to shift people to the other, um, it's going to take some work. But I, I think the live and lit is fantastic and again there's some uptake and you know we're, we're working to make it easier for podcasters in, in all regards i mean it is we are in the super super early days of all of this technology you know as adam and dave like to call it running with scissors i mean i think we you know we, we are literally uh sticky tape and, and plaster in some cases trying to do this but what what is interesting is you as a blueberry as a company have embraced all of this technology 
I saw a stat about the number of sats that have been paid out to your creators now. Can you remind me what that was? And, and what are you seeing in terms of, you know, from the support calls and sort of feedback generally on how this is being adopted? Well, it's to me has blown away because we, we do a 3% fee. So I basically went in and looked at our, our Satoshi account. And for those that don't know, value for value is one of the methods is time, talent, or treasure. Treasure could be fiat funds or it could be Satoshi's via boosters, you know, streaming by the minute, um, crypto. And I went in our Albi account, our Blueberry Albi account, and I was like, whoa, I looked at the number and I was kind of surprised. So I just did a quick math thing, right? I just, you know, I did the inverse and said, how, you know, what did the other 97%, you know, how much did that other 97% amount to? Actually, 100% because it's the fees on top and uh, just a little over 10 grand in, in, in real dollars. In what and, time period? Uh, well, you know, I guess I have to go back and look at when we enabled value for value, four or five months, maybe. Um, so not a huge amount, but I was actually, actually kind of surprised. And so I mean, you know, nothing, something new I'm doing now is like, okay, you know, where are all those sats going, you know, going back and through and looking at stuff, but are coming from, and uh, a lot of it's streaming sats, people that are streaming you know, a hundred sats a minute or a thousand sats a minute, or they're doing boost and, you know, a hundred thousand Satoshi boost. And it's, it was, it's interesting to see that now again, it was just again over a number of months. And so I, I was really pretty surprised and I hadn't been in there and looked for, for two, cause the first time I looked, I said something like, I think the first time I looked at it was like, maybe they were like $800 or something like that, or 900 or something. And then, you know, months later I go back in and I'm like, wow. And I think there was a second part of your question. Maybe I missed. It's what is the support like? So, Oh, the support. Yeah, piece, I mean, yeah. are people coming uh, to you going, I don't understand what you're talking about, Todd, or is it like, oh, this is really cool. I get it. It's pretty quick. And, you know, some of the questions you're getting are now more advanced questions. I don't know. Where is the feedback? Yeah. Well, so far, we did a, we did um, YouTube shorts, well, not shorts, but you, as short of YouTube videos as we could on explaining every single feature. And this is the thing we've had to really do is educate the podcaster, that this is a feature. We get all the geek tech. We don't want to get their eyes glazed over and try to break this down at the most simple level and said, listen, all I got to do is go in here. You enable this. You set up, you either use your fountain account, your get out, your Albi, your get Albi account, or you can put, use your own node. If you're so geeky inclined, we don't recommend that. And we'll automatically link it up, fill the boxes, you set up the splits. And the support on it has been virtually nil. Wow, okay. Now, I reason, I reason the reason I think it is at this point is we've, we've got a lot of businesses come in from other companies that have, so it's a lot of people that want to be involved. They've done a little bit of self, uh, you know, self-study. They, they, they know what the features are and, They've come in and adopted. So I think that from that perspective, we're probably dealing with the 3% that didn't need an explanation on how to use this that has adopted it. Now to get the other 97% of the base to understand the value, 
and what this can mean. Again, and we're probably on a two-year climb here to to really educate and and talk about these new these new features. And I can't I want to talk about them as features because the um, otherwise the the non nerds um, that are going to try to adopt this are going to their eyes are going to glaze over and say forget it. And I, I it's not worth my time. And also, you got to understand too. People are always shaming. Sometimes they're they're chasing the the shiny little object. So YouTube's kind of doing their thing now, and everyone's saying, oh, wow, we get all excited about YouTube, and, and that'll die down. And people will, you know. And again, it's about trying to get people educated on why they should use these features and why we want wider adoption across apps to be able to support it, so that we have more control of our listeners, so that. You know, I, I don't believe not in a single instance that YouTube is a friend of podcasting. They see this as an opportunity. They see this as an opportunity to keep people in their platform and not let them leave. And I think content creators that are worried about their brands need to understand this in a big way. Now, maybe they can build a big audience over there and monetize. Great. If they can, congratulations. But the majority will never monetize. And do you want YouTube in control of your audience? So again, Let's stay on the pure podcasting side for a little bit. Um, I, I think there's huge opportunity here with these new features to really do cool things with I the I think audience. you were the first one who called them features, if I remember rightly. Um, you know, everyone had been calling them tags or namespace extensions. I think it was you in one of your shows that said, well, let's just call them features. And I thought, good on you, Todd. That just makes it really customer friendly. Now, with your adoption of all of these new features do you think you've created a competitive advantage do you see other people leaving other hosts i mean i don't know if your data tells you that but do you see that well you know let's be honest we're, we're not the only ones that have done some significant adoption uh rss.com buzzsprout rss blue and a few others have done significant adoption of podcasting 2.0 tags so I'm not getting customers from there. They're not, they're not moving from there, but they are moving from other hosts that have been slow on the uptake and slow on the adoption and people that are impatient and have been asking. Those are types of folks. And I'm sure those other companies are gaining customers too. Um, and I know specifically ones usually that are coming because they tell me they're coming. Um, and, you know, we've got some that are waiting for us to do some additional stuff before they move. So I think that um, now the majority of the, the gain in business has been really from hosts that haven't adopted. And we've talked to those hosts and said, hey, how come you're not playing here? But I guess at this point, it's their loss in our gain. It's not hundreds, you know, but if I can move, you know, 20, 25 a month off another service, you know, those, those, are, those are great adopt because people don't move. When they get on a hosting service, they rarely move. The percentages are very, very low. Now, a feature or a function of Blueberry was a new thing you launched called Podcast Mirror. Tell me more about Podcast Mirror. Yeah, Podcast Mirror has actually been a service we've had for, who oh, maybe 2016, 17, we launched Podcast Mirror. And really what Podcast Mirror was, was number one, it was a feed burner replacement. This feed runner wasn't staying current. It was also designed for people that were on a $1.99 hosting account that, you know, basically, you know, got, grew a little bit and got overwhelmed 
Um, so what we do is the podcast mirrors does exactly as it says. It mirrors the feed that you create on whatever service, whether it be a competitor, whether it be on your own website, whether it be over on SoundCloud, wherever it may be, it copies that mirror and makes an exact mirror of it. And then through some little things that we do to help people, basically that becomes the point that Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everyone else, they pull from that URL. And it basically designed that service to be a rocket ship to basically really like load quickly. There's a lot of high volume podcasts that are using Podcast Mirror for years and we made it available for free. Well, with like anything else, you know, we started looking at the cost of what this was costing us every month. And it's free for our, well, it's it's been again a free for everyone, but we made a change uh, just a couple of weeks ago, put a, uh, $60 a year annual fee on it. And then we added a number of podcasting 2.0 features. So what's kind of cool about this is you may not want to move to Blueberry. You may want to stay at that non-participating podcast 2.0 host, but guess what? We made it now so that you can do live, you can do value for value, you can set the the medium tag to the type of content it is. So if someone's on SoundCloud and has a music show and they want to participate in this new thing that's going on with music, they can do that or they can set the medium to podcast. There's the funding tag credits. We even support OP3. So it really is, and it's all channel level. And again, now we're getting technical. Well, yeah, yeah, it's bit, all yeah. channel <laughs> level. Yeah. It's all channel level features, top level features. Because I really, to, to implement something at an episode level would require a, a monumental amount of work. Because again, all we're doing is we're taking the feed that was originally created. We're making a copy of it, hosting it on Podcast Mirror with an address at Podcast Mirror that loads lightning fast, takes a load off your web server. If you're, again, you're on a $1.99 or maybe you're over at some place that, you know, charges you for too much traffic, which happens a lot as well. Um, now that we can, now we just inject at the channel level those podcasting 2.0 features, and um, and what it really does is it makes a show immediately able to participate in this new medium, again with a limited number of features: live, value for value, medium, funding credits, and OP3, um, and of course GUID. If they don't have a GUID, we'll put a GUID in there. It does Podping? It does all those things that you would expect. Um, from a, from a host that was engaging and operating. So we've started to see some trickle from some people we weren't suspecting that would come over and use it. So it's, it's kind of fun to see that too. Would, would that user eventually go, I don't want to use podcast mirror. I'm actually just going to come across. Is that, is that your bridging technology? Do you think? Uh, they can't bridge because we don't host the media. It's still hosted at your host. No, but it, eventually if they say, do the- I don't want to use podcast mirror. I don't want to stay at X host. I'm going to start and move my whole hosting to Blueberry. Is that why? Well, that would, that could, and, and, and they could actually keep the podcast mirror feed that they oh, right. had okay. in transition Got to Blueberry. You. Yeah. And, but again, the feeds that are served by Blueberry.com are running the same exact technology. As a matter of fact, it has the item level stuff support too. So you probably wouldn't want to use. Matter of fact, we tell our Blueberry customers, if, you know, I think we've only got like five Blueberry customers that are actually using Podcast Mirror. They don't need it. 
but they just happen to use it because they, they if they decide someday they want to leave Blueberry, they could just go to another competitor and then change the source URL and Podcast Mirror would pick right, that up. Right. So, so that, you know, it can work the other way. You know, they can move away from us as well. Yeah. So, so, so looking further down the field, I mean, that, that, you know, you and I are both uh, very heavily involved in, in talking about some of the new features. We won't go into any of those particularly, but one of the things that as a host, I've always wanted, and somebody who does a lot of live and a lot of video, would Blueberry provide a client end service where I could come to Blueberry and create a live server, an HLS server, and and pay you extra money on top of my Blueberry account? Is that any in the planning around that maybe? It's on my list, but I don't have it in the stack yet. And the other one, yeah. Um, so, okay, cool. I mean, cause that would be, it just seems like it's such a natural fit for a host just to yeah. add that extra yeah. live, uh, URL service. Now, if some, if someone wants to do audio streaming, I've got a couple of audio streamers set up with time slots available. If they come over and they're a Blueberry host, they say, Hey, I need an audio stream at from Thursday night from or Thursday morning from nine to 11. And if I have the slot, I'll give them the slot and they can use the cool. streaming server audio right now but i'm just giving slots on something that we pay for we don't have that's not something we built it's you know it's just a service but it's a good testing ground for you to see what the usage might be and everything else now Mm -hmm. you do video you do a lot of video and um again you know you've talked about your thoughts around youtube which you know don't worry they, they mirror mine in many ways but but you've given your thoughts around that as Blueberry, would you ever provide um, the alternate enclosure ability for me as a client of Blueberry to host video? I've, I've spoken to a few other hosts, and, and that seems yeah. to be like, oh, my God, that's no, 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 no. That's far we, too dangerous. Well, we've always – we've hosted video from oh, day really? one. Okay. Yeah, so our – our approach, though, is is a little bit different, and this is really ground in – you know, going way back, the argument was made many, many years ago for one feed, one show. So in other words, there's a feed for the audio, there's a feed for the video. The challenge I have is basically I have 100,000 plus shows that either use PowerPress or use Blueberry directly or our hosted WordPress site. And some of them don't even host with us using PowerPress. And all this time, we've made an ability for them to have an audio feed, video feed, or whatever, how many ever feeds they want, where they can create as many as they want to create for a single show, but we've never crossed streams uh, within the same episode. So, you know, I know James and some other folks are not happy that we haven't adopted alternate enclosures. Yep. There is a potential that we've been thinking about for a while um, that we're going to make some suggestions to podcasting 2.0 that why not uh why not just let us point to another feed and you know get this remote item why can't there be a remote item for the video component of a podcast that would fix our issue because if i go into a if i tell a podcaster today all right we're we're enabling alternate enclosures so if you've got a video feed and an audio feed right now if you have an audio feed, now you're going to have to put an alternate enclosure of your video. And if you have a video feed, now you're going to have to switch that and put an alternate enclosure to 
an audio file, it just gets really messy for our standpoint. So we just think it might be just easier to allow a remote item point to another version of the show Couldn't, instead of having an alternate enclosure. A bit like um, Podcast Mirror, where you're not hosting the content, but you're providing the, the wraparound metadata. Could you not, with the alternate enclosure, have the URL of the video pointing to Vimeo or YouTube or somewhere else? So you're not actually hosting it. You're actually just providing a box, which... The link to it. It's a box, right? Yeah. It's just a... Just as mm-hmm. you don't have, when you have the funding tag, right, in your RSS and you have a donate, yeah. it's, a, it's a URL to buy me a coffee or a URL to get, yep. you're not actually hosting the funding part. You no, no, to- no, no. But I, I think the challenge that is, is in post, that's okay. When you are creating an episode, you definitely could link to that live that you created somewhere, the link to it. And I, I I think, you know, we've always suggested that anyway, if people that don't want to actually host video, they just want to have an embed to put it in their show notes. So there could be in the feed, but I think we'd have to figure out where that belongs. Um, and maybe again, maybe that's another remote item idea. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's, there's opportunity there because not everyone is, you know, some people are going to want to be on, you know, maybe they're on, uh, what's the gaming site? Uh, it doesn't matter. Twitch. Wherever they're, yeah, Twitch. Maybe they want to point towards a Twitch yep. stream that they've done, you know? So I think that's all that's all viable type of ideas that should be, probably be considered. Because um, that way you don't need the alternate enclosure. Because the alternate enclosure really demands a physical link to a media file. You know, again, that goes back to, you know, the the serving of that media in the app because that most podcast apps i don't know if it'd be in terms of service violation for them to try to pull in that embed from vimeo or from twitch and play it within the app i think there would be challenges there mm-hmm. so i just wish that more of the apps would support video too i would you know i think that's important at this point that every app that's in the podcasting 2.0 new or podcastapps.com support uh, video playback. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and putting my uh, app hat on, you'll be pleased to know in a couple of weeks' time that will be available from from pop fans. I can't talk for anyone else. I can because really all it is is we're just serving you an MP4. Usually, you know, it's usually you just you know you're just doing the playback and you're pulling from us. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, we have tested your show, and it works. Um, with the separate video feed. I, I think it was just trying to find a, I suppose, a, a cleaner solution that said, you know, click a button, yeah. it switches to video, click a button, it goes back to audio. That was but all. Here's, here's what we've learned is here's what I've learned. 70% of my audience on my tech show, listen, 30% watch. Yeah. On Rob and I's new media show, it's like an 80-20 split. 80% listen, 20% watch. Um, I think, most listeners, I want to have them the cleanest solution possible. I want them to say, I love this audio show. Click follow or subscribe. Bam. That's what I get. There's no monkeying around. I know what I'm going to have. So I try to, and I look at this and try to play devil's advocate. At the same time, I understand where you want one listing that clicks between audio and video, but maybe streaming stats, if I have any difference, right? Same value. Right. 
But again, I have two feeds with value for value set up in both. So it doesn't matter which one you yeah. hit. But maybe that remote item type of linking to a video feed might I like that idea. be an it- interesting alternative. Yeah, I like that idea. It's a, it's a strong possibility, I think, there. Okay, look, we started off the show saying you've been here. Yeah. Looking back 19 years, in some ways things have changed. We just talked about those changes, the podcast 2.0. And in fact, that's probably over the last three or five years, right, at the moment. So yeah. there was a, you know, a long hiatus where things just moved along but didn't really change okay put your hat on todd and tell me what's five years from now and what's 19 years from now uh i'll I'll give you 12 okay i'll take that um (laughs) because um the uh, ai it will be part of every podcast hosting platforms offering everyone's going to have something um if they don't they're you know, they're not going to be in business three years from now. Um, I, I think that um, I'm not talking about an AI voice creating content. That uh, No, but here's what will happen. As all this proliferation of AI content, written videos, all this stuff, people are not going to know who to trust or what to trust. So people that are doing original content, I'll include YouTubers as well, People are doing original content, audio podcasts, video podcasts, YouTube channels, where there is a voice that you can trust. They are going to flock to those voices and personalities because you're not going to know what you're reading, if it's true or not, if it's biased or if it's how it's been written, where AI is going to help podcasters is folks that are a hit a writer's block. Or maybe they're having a hard time coming with questions for a host. Or maybe they've been horrible at writing summaries of their episodes. That thunking work, and I stole that word from Google, by the way. That thunking work is what AI is going to do. It's going to help. It's going to assist. It won't be the authority. Here's, here's what's going to end up happening. You're, we're very creative. We're all creators. I consider myself creative, but I can't draw uh, if, if I asked to draw something, I draw strict things. You and me so both. Mid journey, I'm gonna have yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, but I can th- I can visualize what I want, right? And I and I know the th- kind of things I want to bring out in my shows. So being a creator, you're not going to give anything up. But you, the assistance is going to come with that thunking is show notes, maybe questions, creative ideas. That's thunking work. It's going to be helped by AI, and then the you still have to be the subject matter expert of everything because you're going to do your content. You're going to be the SME, the subject matter expert of your content. And then you're going to have to make sure that you're the subject matter expert of whatever that AI puts out and says, this was the summary. You know, Todd talked about this, this, and this, and this. You said, oh, no, I didn't talk about that. It made it up. Let me delete that from the draft and correct that. You do the, the QA on the output, and when you hit publish, it's still your product because you've had to edit this because these AIs are, you know, they're, they're the dumbest they'll ever be right yeah, now. Exactly. But I think it's good. I think it's going to help the creative types in some of this stuff. But in the playing field is going to be equal because everyone's going to be doing the same thing. Everyone's going to have comprehensive notes. But what does that do then? And this is why it's going to change the podcasting space a lot. You don't write for your audience you write for google 
And now you're going to be writing for language models. So the more in the more in depth your show notes are, when a language model comes by and indexes your page, say, oh, Todd talked about podcasting 2.0. Sam talked about podcasting 2.0 or whatever it may be. Then as these things evolve, then as search changes, tell me about podcasting 2.0. And there's like, well, here's Sam and Todd talking about this. Here's Adam. Here's Dave. Here's the authorities. And this is not going to happen right now because it's pretty dumb right now. It's built on data that doesn't shift very much between models. But over time, it will. So one to three years, the world is going to change completely for knowledge workers. And I think that podcast hosts are better be, you know, I'm probably, if if they're not aware of it, then sorry. Um, um, So I I think that's what's going to happen. Now, what's going to happen for listeners? Well, we just want listeners to engage. We want listeners to be, you know, that's what, what is the thing that most podcasters care about the most besides growth? Someone saying, I love your show. Yeah. Interactivity. Someone saying, hate you. Someone saying that sucked or that was great. Or, you know, my biggest fan that I had years ago was a hater (laughs) because he, he, he coalesced my audience. I would read every one of his hateful comments he sent to the show and the audience would rally around me and I build a stronger user base just because of one, one Sal, where are you at? Come back to the show, brother. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> Sal from Brooklyn. Put him on the splits. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I, I think that, uh, you know, we want this listener engagement. What does listener engagement do? That keeps us motivated to create creating content. Because being a content creator, being a podcaster can be lonely. Yeah, yeah I, I remember when doing radio shows, it was also <laughs> all very lonely until you got someone calling in. Oh, someone is listening. Um, That's now, right. Uh, switching slightly, we both know this person, um, sure. uh, Leo Laporte. Um, he's got a podcast network. Uh, he is not, very clearly not, adopting any of the podcasting 2.0 namespace stuff. Um, which is the weirdest thing in the world, because if anyone's ever listened to Leo from the beginning, he's always talked about wanting to have fans pay him directly. And I'm going, it's available now, Leo. It's available. But he blinkers it. But he's talking about advertising now, you know, diminishing quite rapidly. They've gone down to one advert per show now. Um, they got, I think James was reporting, they got ad blocked recently. Um, you know, they got blacklisted um, and they're having to get themselves whitelisted again. Do you, the question really then is, you know, you see, I'm looking at the sort of slow demise of a, a very good network that's been going for 10 plus years and you've been going for 20 years nearly. Do you think advertising within podcasting is going to evolve and grow or diminish? Because nobody wants advertising in their podcast. They just want money. So if we can right. replace money value with value for value, sorry. So we can place money with micro payments that direct from fans you wouldn't want advertising in your show so is advertising just the sort of hanging around like a bad smell and then we just we'll see in five years gone well well i you know i'll be honest this studio and where i'm at right now would not be i would not be here in this setting where i am physically right now had it not been for godaddy now i might still be in a bedroom in my house um, I think that first of all, I love Leo. 
Love Lisa. Love, love the team over there at Twit. But Leo's thinking about retiring. Is. You know, Leo's yeah. close to, to pulling the plug. And Leo is the linchpin to Twit. And, you know, I've seen Leo get rid of some people in the past. I thought there was the legacy to continue on your network, but Leo made his own business decisions. So Leo, for many, many years, didn't call podcast a podcast either. and called it a netcast. So Leo's been a little slow adopting on some things, but still very successful in his own right. But he came from television. He had the, a pre-built audience, he had a syndicated radio show. So Leo's operating at a level that 99% of podcasters don't. So if you build a big audience, and a big audience I'm going to say is above 10,000 listeners, 10,000 plays a download, you can do very well in monetizing your podcast through some great host-read advertising. And as the bigger you get, you can adopt, you can gain those advertisers on your own or through a partner. Where the problem is, in my opinion, is the partners have now started to employ a whole bunch of tech that is not beneficial to the content creator. Um, we're in this world of everyone has to be can't have their feelings hurt. And advertisers are a, a risk adverse to someone saying that something they shouldn't. In the early days of podcasting, there was a guy that was doing a podcast who had an advertiser and his name, his show name was The Daily Download. And you can imagine where he recorded his show. So um, I wouldn't have known, but thank you for that visual image. Okay. He had, he had an advertiser. Right. All right. Now, Let's move to where we're at today. Um, I think you can do well if you have an advertiser relationship that is built upon trust and providing value and you love the product. You can endorse that and do very, very well. The problem I run into now with advertising is I listen to some shows and there's an ad break every seven minutes. There's three, two ads, someone droning on about something they really don't believe in. It's absolute crap. So, and get on my soapbox a little bit. Media buyers are lazy. They are lazy. They have ignored nine. Okay, fifty percent of podcasters don't want no advertising to begin with. So let's just throw that out. Let's say ten percent, and that's being generous or being monetized today. That leaves you forty percent of podcasts that want advertising. That that inventory is empty. It's setting to be filled because media buyers have been lazy and not bought down into it some of the most engaging and beautiful audiences that are out there. So I think advertising can work, but you are now living in a, a world where, you know, you say one word and boom, you're, you're, you're off the platform. You've, you've had your ads pulled. So I think there's a, there's a way forward. I think the way things are going now where automation, the automation is what they're trying to do is trying to build volume. And then in case, and at this point, the automation is hurting content creators. So where value for value comes in, it's hard for a content creator to say, hey, can you provide time, talent, or treasure? I think the talent is easy. Asking someone to support the show, maybe be a moderator, maybe help with social talent, being maybe submitting album art or whatever it may be, some sort of, you know, maybe ideas for the show episode. The treasure piece is the hard part. And you have to ask. And 
you know, I don't want a buy me a coffee. That that doesn't work. That doesn't keep the insurance and the lights on in this place. Um, so until people start learning to support with, if you provide value and you get monetarily value back, whether it be in dollars or in, you know, in, in Satoshi's, um, I think Satoshi's at this point are largely a feedback mechanism. They're, you know, I've collected a lot of Satoshi's. I can't complain. I've done well personally, um, probably six or $700 in donations on Satoshi so far. But at the same time, my fiat funds that come in via PayPal donation probably equal just about that much in the same amount of period too. So again, it's, it's a mixed piece. Um, I think they can, can coincide with one another, but uh, a lot of these automated systems that nine, 90% of podcasters will never have to deal with are hurting that 10%. But those, maybe those podcasters need to stay up, stand up and say, stop. Yeah. I know. I, I guess my question to you is trying to fast forward. What is the crossover time frame in your mind between people who are reliant on advertising as their monetization, which we know is just a bad way of doing it because there yeah. was no micropayment. Yeah. So monetization through advertising yep. was the option, but nobody wants a DAI ad injected into the middle of their conversation. Nobody does. Right. So. Well, this is planned and prepared. Yeah. Right. But even then you probably, you're only doing it because you want money. I mean, how many square space right, ads right, right. do we want? And, um, and you know, my, That's true. Ads. so I guess <laughs> if you knew going back to, you know, if you looked at the amount, Oh, if I could go all the way back. Well, no, if you could go all the way forward, actually, okay. more, more to the point. Oh, forward. So, so if you could say, right, today, I'm not saying you, but on average, I make sure, so sure. much per episode through advertising. At what point do you think you'll cross or the industry will cross over where micropayments is actually the bigger revenue value generator than advertising? At which point the content creator can go, you know what, screw ads. I'm now making more than enough money through this model. Are we talking five years or hopefully not 19 years? Oh, it's, 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 that's a loaded question because if you only have a thousand listeners today, thousand engaged listeners, and you run one ad spot on a traditional CPM, oh, you make a whopping 25 bucks. Yeah. But what if those, what, if, so for smaller shows and value for value, what if a thousand, Let's say 10% of those thousand send you a dollar a month in sats. Yeah. Equivalent value. Then you've already replaced your ad. If you're 10,000 and you cross that over, okay, 10,000 downloads an episode, you could potentially make $250 an episode. You do four episodes a month, that's $1,000. You have to use this analogy to go and say, where does it cross? You got to kind of do a little bit of simple math. And again, it's about getting the, getting the audience, training the audience and providing value and getting the, and I hate to say train, that's probably someone's cringing out there. Um, but to make them understand, Hey, you want to support this show? I don't have an advertiser, you, you know, please, you know, time, talent, or treasure. And, um, I, I, it, it can work. It can. I, I think that uh, 
I would consider my audience the size of the audience I have. Um, if if just ten percent donated every month, um, and it wouldn't have to be a lot. I've always said one to two dollars, and I could if if actually if a hundred percent of my audience gave a dollar a month, whoo, I could hire like four people. You know, it, 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 there could be some significant changes. Um, so let's say 10% or 5%, because that's all you're really ever going to get. Maybe five, six, seven percent Maybe the audience will donate. So if you figure 7% of your existing, let's say you have 1,000, that means 70 people. And if they give you a dollar or two a month or more, it's a minimum. You know, and again, it doesn't have to be a dollar. It could be $100. They got that enough value out of it or $1,000. I mean, I've heard some contributors to, you know, Adam and No Agenda. Wow. You, woo. You know, a couple thousand bucks. I'm like, holy yeah, cow. Exactly. Talk about that. It wasn't me. It was you. It wasn't me. And it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those are, those are fans that, uh, you know, you, you love those types of fans. And um, I, I think there is a path forward. It just takes a mindset change. And, and, and here's the thing. Big shows are going to continue to monetize. The 10% that are monetizing now are going to monetize. Let's take the 40% that can't get an advertiser if they wanted one, unless they just want to run programmatic. Um, and I'm talking about when they want one. I mean, one that would pay a host red that you're going to get $25 or more CPM, yep. where programmatic is anywhere between 7 and 15. I think you have the option, you have the ability there if you go value for value from you know starting early and even adopt it now, even you've been podcasting for 19 years, I think over time you can build that, build that revenue, but you got to, again, you got to, you got to do good. You got to put out great content. Todd, thank you so much. Um, thank you on behalf of the industry for the last 19 years of what you've done. Hopefully you're here for another 19 years. Maybe, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Not in terms of, you, know, you might be doing a, you know, a, a Leo Laporte and, and leaving on a, a steamship somewhere, but um, hopefully not. Um, but, Again, one of the last things I'd ask is if somebody wants to get involved in all of what we've just talked about, you know, podcasting 2.0 and um, Power Mi Podcast Mirror and all these things, where would they go? Well, if they want to talk to me personally, just Todd at Blueberry.com. Blueberry without the E's because we couldn't afford the E's. They were $2 million. <laughs> so B-L-U-B-R-Y.com. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the podcast index and what's going on over there. And, uh, you know, it's very simple. Search for podcasting 2.0 and you're, you're going to find everything you want. Value for value dot info, I think, is the site Adam set up. Dot I, uh, talks about dot, I, or dot info. Yeah, we'll have to share that one. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and again, um, if you want more information on Podcast Mirror, you just reach out to us and we'll, we'll give you any information you want. But I think the thing is, too, is if you're with a host that doesn't have any of these features, Ask them why. We want everybody to enjoy the party yeah. here. You know, um, doesn't have to be five or six hosts that are, you know, doing this alone. Everyone could be a part of the party here. And we won't have to be dependent upon the YouTubes, the Spotify's of the world. Yes. The close shops. Todd, the close thank shop. you so much, mate. Speak to you soon. Hey, thank you.